I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Jumpstart Your Joy. This is Paula, of course, and I am so excited today to bring you an interview with Tiffany Hahn of the podcast, Raise Your Hand, Say Yes. We have a great discussion about the courage and crazy faith that it takes to step out as an entrepreneur and follow your dreams. And she shares so much about branding strategy and what holds people back. And it's just really an an amazing straight shooting conversation. So I know you're going to love it. If you're new or if you're returning, welcome. I am so excited to have you here as really what is my season closer for season one. It's been an amazing year and I am just honored and excited that you guys have been along for the journey. If you would like to get the show notes for this episode, you can do so by heading over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 51. And I'll be sharing the links for Tiffany's information and links to books and other information that you hear in the show. If you like what you hear and you want to subscribe, Jumpstart Your Joy is on iTunes and you can subscribe there and leave a review or rating. I love hearing what you have to say. Or if you want to join in the conversation over at the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com, there will be a comment section in the post and I would love, love, love to interact with you there as well. And so without further ado, I bring to you the interview with Tiffany Hahn. So today on the podcast, I am so excited for episode 51. I have with me Miss Tiffany Hahn. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Hey, happy dance. So why don't we just, we'll just kick this thing right off. We've had a great conversation ahead of the uh, actual record button here. So (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany, do you want to tell us what were your earliest sparks of joy as a kiddo? What did you love as a child? Yes. You know what? My earliest memory uh, most of my earliest memories of like creativity are about me dancing and like lip syncing right into your mm-hmm. like into my like hairbrush. I literally did that when I was little. And two things that I can remember: one is Madonna's True Blue mm-hmm. album. Yes. I had the record, and I would listen to that song like over and over again. And then also there is this TV show called like Rags to Riches. Is that mm-hmm. thing about a bunch of orphans who got adopted and then they like started a singing group? That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. We're going to have to dig for this. We yeah. can dig it up. But it was, I can remember watching that on like, you know, the giant televisions that we used to have that were like pieces of furniture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Bilstons. Yeah. yeah. And I would like dance, like it was like a whole thing and I loved it. And I thought like, I want to be in a band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this because our friend Michelle Ward, actually, when that question was asked, she admitted to her absolute love of New Kids on the Block. So, yeah, mm-hmm. y'all got to go back and listen to that one. Yeah, I did love New Kids <laughs> on the Block. This is like, I was probably six. Yeah. Six or seven. And I can remember once, like, I was like going all in and doing it. And I like turned my head and my stepbrother was like, who is a teenager, Mm-hmm. And then I would like was watching me and like totally cracking up. And I remember being like, I had this thought in my head that was like, you should be embarrassed right now. But I was like, whatever. 
So I think that we yeah. should that I want to like do more of that. <laughs> more of that, like whatever in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I see you looking at me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got my thing going on right here. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and so or what is it that you do and, and what brings you joy now? Let's game face on. What I do professionally is I'm a brand strategist for highly creative women. And I do that in like various different programs and offers, really trying to help creative women define their creative work in a way that their customer can understand and then like get their big creative work out there into the world. What brings me joy? I'm also a podcast host. What brings me joy is like doing that, like doing my podcast, doing my, like, I love to see people like be like whatever, like do their thing, like own their thing. And that like totally turns me on these days. Yeah. Yeah, there is something pretty magical when someone, you can tell they're just in the zone and they're going for it. Yeah. That's admirable. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so your business has evolved some or a lot even over the years. And now that you are a creative strategist, what what has changed as you've moved along? I mean, it's it's funny because our mutual friend, Michelle Ward, has called me like the Madonna of coaches because I've known Michelle for a long time and she's always been like creative career coach. It's uh-huh. sort of always been how she defines herself. And I have always, like, I started as a life coach and then I was a life and business coach and then I was just a business coach and then I was a business and branding coach. And now I'm, now I've like dropped the coach title altogether and I'm just calling myself a strategist. And for me, it's been about constantly, I'm still doing this today, constantly looking at the big picture and being like, what do I love? How do I do more of that? And kind uh-huh. of honing in, like, it's like, if you're working on a painting, I had a, a painting teacher once say to me, if you hate the painting, that's fine. But find one thing you like about it, like one corner or one section or one little piece, and then like multiply that, like do more of that. And so I feel like that has really driven the evolution in in the way of like, I don't know, what should I be doing? Like, oh, that's interesting. And I tend to like come up with like new titles for myself and like I'll put them on a post-it on my computer and let it sit there for like a year. And I'm right now like in for me going from like coach to strategist means that like I can still help people with the high level stuff and still offer advice, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not also there beside them step by step holding their hand and holding them accountable that it's more that I'm like here's a way to think about this here's structure here are some systems go do it right yeah Yeah. it's more the consulting role than it is the like you're saying this the in the trenches coaching exactly exactly and it's I'm really trying to to approach it from a place of like empowerment that I want Mm. to really empower people to do it and part of it has been really part of the what I've been trying to work on is like solidifying my own brand and my own message so that the people who come to me are ready to do it Mm, yeah Yeah. because there's that level of commitment or like whatever that thing is where you're like yep I'm all in. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the best place when you come to a coach or, I mean, really making any change. When you're ready, (laughs) you're going to show up in a way that's very different than someone who's just trying something out. Exactly. And it, it, I always say that like branding is an act of courage and I don't Mm -hmm. think that enough people talk about it like that because I think everyone's like, here's how you define your brand and here's how you pick a color palette and it's super simple and very easy and then you move on. And, and where I find in the things that I do and the things that I offer, the, the hardest part of any process for people is owning their message and claiming what they want to tell the world and like 
making a decision. Yeah. You know, and so we can brainstorm e-course ideas forever. We can talk about wanting to start a podcast forever, but there's something, there's something so powerful, you know, when you like actually commit and decide to do it (laughs) and like put out your soapbox and get on it and start talking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there is, there's a lot of fear. I mean, so it's interesting because that's been one of the bigger surprises for me of leading a podcasting class. Yes, I was in in that space of starting my own, but really seeing other people get in and kind of face the fear mm-hmm. and like dive in anyway and keep going. And it's probably similar to announcing what is your brand because they've got to decide what's your show name? What does it mean? You know, what's your platform? And yeah. that's, that is the scarier part than all the, mm-hmm. what the to-do list pieces mm-hmm. that you can check off. Yeah. And you're, it's, you know, it's funny. I used to go when I would get my hair done and I would be like, I want to cut, but like, don't make it too styled. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, don't do like a style. And I realize now that it was this kind of fear of being seen. I don't want to stand out. And now I'm like, I truly believe this. In order to be successful in a creative entrepreneurial space, you have to stand out. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to be seen. You have to have something to say that's worth people listening to. You know, like for a podcast, there are a million podcasts out there. Mm -hmm. And I have have a very short podcast attention span. So if somebody doesn't capture my interest in one episode, I'm like moving on, you know, and I, I go back, but really it's like you have to. And I think that's the hardest part for everybody, especially because we get started and often we look at other people who inspire us. And then we, we think that the key to being successful is to be them. Right. You know, yes. and, and I'm sure you see it a lot with podcasts. People are like, oh, I love this podcast. So my show is going to be the exact same. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the answer. I think that you can find little inspirational tidbits from different sources. And yeah, and then kind of meld them together. But like for me, when I, most of the podcasts I listen to are not interview show or, or not like this kind of businessy interview. The, right. the thing that like we have, similar you know shows and concepts and stuff but it's because I don't I don't ever want to do something and then be like wait am I copying that person I don't know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and I think that comes up a lot in whatever someone's creative pursuit is is like Mm -hmm. I like to know it's super interesting because at this point last week's episode was with Chris Nations and she designs jewelry and she even talks about like she stays on top of trends but she doesn't want to go too deep because She very much wants the creation to be her own. Yes. So I think that's what I'm hearing in your podcasting mm-hmm. venture as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that you really do have this very no-nonsense approach of mm-hmm. like, you know, coming to you for branding and strategy and, and working with you. I'm assuming people probably get a very both heartfelt, but very kind of <laughs> what kind of directional and loving way with you. Like, do you yeah. want to explain how you work with someone? Because I know right now you've got Brand Crush open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you want to use that as like the example or yeah. talk us through how it goes. It, it, it's funny because every now and then I'm like... I'll like say something and then be like, too far? Did I take that too far? I've never had anybody hang up on me. And really the way that I like to think about the work I do is if if I'm pushing somebody and they are really, really uncomfortable and they even sometimes people will say like, I don't really like you right now. And I'm like, good. Then that means I'm doing my job because my job is to get you out of your comfort zone. My job is to help you do something that 
that you could not do on your own. Otherwise, you would have already been beyond this point. Or that like, so Brand Crush is kind of a 10-day branding and web design boot camp that I've teamed up with my graphic designer, business partner. Her name is Erin Cassidy. She's amazing. And we walk people through kind of the branding process and then how to create a website in Squarespace. And they get a new logo from Erin and they get font pairings and they get a color palette. Like we essentially give them in this very intensive 10-day experience, like everything that we think they need to have a, a clear, strong brand and a beautiful website to go along with it. And it, that kind of came about because because we were getting, I was working with people on branding stuff, but then they had like not amazing websites. Or Erin would be working with people on web design, but they were coming to her without the clarity that like, what happened was I started sending my clients to Erin for web stuff. And she was like, it's so amazing after somebody works with you, they have so much clarity and it's so much easier to help them with their design because they know what they want to say. But we do, we definitely, it's so funny because sometimes people, now it's just become a joke where like, I'll ask people questions and they'll go, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, no, no, I actually want you to answer that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not, this is not hypothetical. Like, tell me the answer. And then they go, this is so hard. And I'm like, so what? Like, I know, mm-hmm. I know it's hard. And, and I, I, I'm often, I, I, in Brand Crush, I'm, it doesn't really come up as much on our one-on-one calls as part of the program, but like because it's kind of interwoven into, at this point, the message of everything I do is like, it's going to be hard, so what? And if somebody, that's, you know, that's part of my brand. Like I really, I describe my brand as being bold. And so if somebody is not attracted to that, then like they will self-select and not pay money uh-huh. to work with me. So awesome. But, you know, I think I I tell people, I lead a lot with like, this is going to be a really intense 10 days. You are going to work harder than you ever thought you were capable of. And I think that's, that's the value that I really try to deliver is that I want people to walk away from this experience being like, oh my God, I made that. I just made this website and this is my business and this is how I can talk about it. And now I'm so empowered and I can go do anything. Right. Yeah. Well, and do you, what do you think most people get kind of hung up on if they're out there on their own trying to figure this out? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs think, oh, well, how hard can it be? It can be really hard. I was in in marketing and advertising for many years. And there is something about both having someone else to bounce ideas Mm -hmm. off of, but also someone who's got the experience Mm -hmm. to know like what works. So what do you think most people are coming to you with or where are they stuck and they don't even know? It's a couple of things. It's that they spin their wheels and they overthink and they are unwilling or unable to make a decision as a starting place. So I talked about my business evolution. My whole thing, and and part of the, this is also part of the reason we teach Brand Crush on Squarespace Mm -hmm. is because we want people to have a website that they can actually shift and grow and change easily as their business grows. Because we know that like things are going to change. And so my whole thing is like, do some due diligence, do some work, come up with the best answer for right now and then get going. Mm-hmm. Because the evolution, I always say like evolution can't happen until you start. But I think that people spend way too much time in like the what if place and like over research. Honestly, I think Pinterest is like the creative killer. 
Yeah. That's one thing. The other thing where I see people getting caught up a lot is just in terms of their messaging, they forget to think about who their customer or client or audience is. Uh-huh. And they like, I'm always like, be more specific, talk directly to a human being. Like that's who you're trying to draw in. So I see that happen a lot. I totally agree. Well, and I'm, I'm thinking too, there's, there's also kind of a design, <laughs> I don't know, like there's a design thing going on as well. Lots of things have clumped together and looking a lot the same. Do you guys address that? And I think you probably kind of know what I'm talking about. Lots of white space, which in some ways is great because it allows the eye to rest on words and whatnot. Mm-hmm. On page. But what do you guys do around that? Like to push people maybe out of a comfort zone or what they think they want, which is probably another Pinterest thing, right? Like, right. Oh, but I like how pretty that is. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, our my whole thing, Aaron's whole thing. And, and if you look at my website and Aaron's website, like Aaron has a pretty like not cluttered design aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. And I think sometimes people, especially creative people and creative businesses are like, my website needs to be so creative. And I think like, well, actually your website needs to be effective. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do you remember back in the day when we all had blogs and the whole thing was like the background on the blog? <laughs> yeah, right. You could change it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I had polka of- dots and paisley and it was like a whole thing, you know, yeah. and I think that that was great then. But I think that now I really again, I really approach it. And, and this is part of what we teach of like, what are your goals? What do you want someone to do when they come to your website? And I think that people often when they're designing a site themselves, they're thinking more about what colors do I like? What fonts mm-hmm. do I like? What fe- and, and instead, I, I really try to approach it like strategically and say like, what do you want someone to do after they look at your homepage? And then how can you make that path as clear as possible? I also think that it's it's sort of we try to really teach from the like perspective of just because you can do something doesn't mean you should kind of the adage of like take off one accessory before you leave the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, people there are a lot of bells and whistles and there are a lot of options. And I think sometimes creative people think like more is better. And, and instead it's like, well, it still needs to be a effective and like usually simpler I feel like in terms of web design simpler is better mm-hmm. yeah I like that because mm-hmm. I think it's oftentimes too like you're saying like you've seen a bunch of things you like all yeah. those things and then somehow the mishmash on the site maybe their list of requirements might be like I wanted to do all these things yeah. when you're like well no the home page they should be cl- you know clear yeah. and and driven to subscribe mm-hmm. or whatever that the purpose of that page is. Yeah. And and it's not uncommon, you know, people, we say like, what websites do you love? And everyone's like, Daniela Port, Marie Forleo, Alexandra Franzen. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Those are sites I've given designers as inspiration. But like, if you really were to break down the design elements of those sites, they're pretty simple. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Marie, I know Marie Forleo just redid her site and it's pretty like actually sophisticated. But like, look at Alexandra Franzen's site. And if you look at it just with the design eye, there is a lot of white space. There's not a lot of bells and whistles. There's not a ton of script font happening and all of these colors and stuff everywhere. You know, it's pretty, pretty sparse. But but what people, what I'm always trying to to teach is like what you're actually drawn to at those sites is the brand, not the design. Mm, yeah. And that's yeah. a good distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. 
So Brand Crush is open now. And how long are you guys accepting people as part of that program? Yeah, so registration is open now. We're, we're running it. It's October 10th through the 19th is like the 10-day period. And registration is open until it sells out. So we have 20 spots for this next round. That sounds like a, I mean, just a really cool program because both you guys, like I know Aaron's aesthetic and you're a powerhouse. So I I can only imagine that would be a really amazing 10 days. It's a, I mean, it's intense. (laughs) I won't lie. It's definitely intense, but again, like we've, we designed it in a very deliberate way to not hopefully to like, you really build on it. And it's great. I mean, people made amazing websites. We ran it in June and we were just blown away by what people created. And it was so fun to have them walk away being like, I can do whatever I want to my website now. And I'm, you know, I used to have a WordPress website and I know what it's like to kind of feel like you're being held hostage by your website. And it doesn't feel, again, it doesn't, for me, it's all about empowerment and that doesn't feel empowering. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And and figuring out that you've just bought the, the wrong plugin and Ugh. that it doesn't actually do what you want it to do. Yeah, that's all very frustrating. Yeah. Or you're like, I'm going to try to change this myself. And then like you disappear your entire website. Raise your <laughs> yeah. hand if you've done that. Me. And then you're like, oh, man, come on. What or who do you feel like kind of helped you wake up to what you wanted to be doing in your own life. Do you want to talk a little bit about your own journey and what's led you kind of even before you started with life coaching? Yeah. You know, for me, it was, let's see, I was 28, I think. And I had, I was working at a nonprofit San Francisco and I had a job that like was everything I wanted to be doing. I was planning events and fundraising for a food bank in San Francisco. It was awesome. And I was doing a lot of outreach and it was great and it like looked so good on paper, but I was super stressed out. I was had like terrible insomnia and there was one day when I had to go lay down in my car because I thought I was having a heart attack. Hmm. Like I was like, what is this chest pain? What is this pain in my I was like, is this is this what a heart attack feels like? And I was like, I can't possibly be happy. I mean, I'm sure people who have had heart attacks are like, you don't wonder, right? But to me, I was like, something is not right. And I went and I took like 20 minutes and I just went to the parking lot and like laid down in my car. And I was like, this is not okay. And what I recognized was like the impact stress was having on my life. And Mm -hmm. at 28, you should not be concerned about the effects of stress. But I think we all... Like, I think stress affects all of us. And I just kind of looked around and was like, I don't want to be doing this. I had been during that process applying to MBA programs and which is really interesting, right? Because I'm doing business strategy, but I had been applying. I had I had taken my GMAT and I was applying to business schools. And I remember opening an online application. And the first question was like, why do you want to go to business school? Which is a completely valid question (laughs) to ask. And I was just like, I don't. Mm. Like, I was like, I don't want, I don't want to be a consultant. I don't want to be a manager, like, just for the sake of managing. Like, it just felt so empty to me. And that was really what kickstarted. That was super controversial, too, because my, like, MBA, everyone's like, cool, good for you. Mm-hmm. It's like the most socially acceptable thing of what's next. And I was like, yeah, I want to do something creative. And everyone was like, what? 
<laughs> what? You know, and I'm I'm super competitive by nature. And so for me, it was like, all right, well, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. Here I go. And and I did have some support, but I also had a lot of people who were being supportive in their own way, which meant questioning my choices. And I think that I had to recognize like they are being, you know, and a lot of people be like, you can do something creative after you get an MBA, you know? And I was just like, no, because I also, I think I knew that like, once I was in the world, I was in the world, you know, that I think yeah. it would be, I think you can, you can definitely make changes. But for me, it was like, no, if I go down that path and those, that becomes my world, like it's going to be so much harder to leave. Right. Mm-hmm. Really hard to find your way back out because you'd be immersed in it. Yeah, exactly. I can get that. Yeah. yeah. And it would become normal. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we all get to, and we have to, right. Create whatever our own normal is. Mm, yeah. yeah yeah for sanity and, and mm-hmm. for everything else yeah mm-hmm. like one example of that and for people listening like your normal my normal now is like talking to people that we think are cool for our podcast <laughs> yeah like that's our job that's so cool right it is yeah yeah but you have to work at it oh you do yeah, yeah. and sometimes it yeah at first this didn't feel natural or normal <laughs> like it was yeah. like oh my gosh I'm gonna do what yeah mm-hmm <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said, too, about understanding that some people were trying to help you in the way that they thought was helpful, meaning yes. questioning your decision. Like, yes. I, I love that that's part of the process, too, is understanding that even if someone's it feels like maybe they're criticizing you, it's more about like they love you and they want the best for you. And in their mind, this other route makes all the sense in the world. Yes. Yeah. And I remember at the time my grandfather, he lived in Florida and he invited me to come visit him. And so I did. And like he and his wife like kind of had like an intervention for it. They were like, well, they like sat me down. And I was like, oh, interesting. And, you know, to them, it just didn't make sense. Right. Yeah. And I think that we have to and and I get it. And like, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense. You know, and I think that's where one of the concepts I talk a lot about is this idea of what I call crazy faith, which mm, is yeah. having faith in something that seems crazy. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that if, if we think about it in terms of like a religious standpoint, that that people have faith in things that don't make sense. You know, like religion doesn't necessarily make sense from like a very rational scientific standpoint. And yet we know that it's like very powerful and a lot of people are religious and believe and and have these spiritual beliefs. And I think that for me, I really, I I see a lot of the work that I do. There's a, there are a lot of like religious parallels in terms of faith, you know, trusting all of that. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that so true? And it's funny because, I mean, a lot of what I think my language around that, the crazy faith part would be around like kind of trusting an inner joy advocate or something like that, that has woken up and said, hey, no, there's something more here. And and I know we were talking a little bit about that, of like finding like what it is that you love and doing more of that. Like, and that's, that's probably tapping into crazy faith or the inner joy advocate or whatever. And that that leads you through but you have to be okay with being out there a little bit right yeah (laughs) and you have to I'm going for it like my whole you know my podcast is called raise your hand say yes and kind of the the undercurrent of that or like the missing line is and then you'll figure it out yeah and so I think that's the piece that most of us 
where we get caught up is we don't trust our ability to figure it out. But I also say like, like human evolution proves like we are talking to each other on the internet. (laughs) Yes. Right. So like, like history proves the, the state, the current state of the world proves that like human beings have continuously figured it out since the dawn of time. And like, if somebody can invent Skype, then you and I can make a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that so many of the jobs that we're even talking about, probably even that are people that are listening, like these didn't exist when you were in high school, right? Like, no. (laughs) And so that you've gotten this far, then yeah, like that, the next thing is totally possible, even if it seems a little unusual. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, I'm sure you feel like this. I'm so glad I started my podcast when I did. Mm -hmm. because now I feel like every day someone's like I started a podcast which is great (laughs) everybody start podcasts but like do it now yeah you know like don't wait like if you have a spark that you're like maybe you know and you get that little like slightly nauseous feel I always say like if you feel (laughs) like you're gonna throw up it's a really good sign go for it now because it's so much harder to push something forward the more people who are doing it mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and podcasting is not going away the internet is not going away social media is not going away you know and i sometimes people ask like how did you get started what were your secrets of success and i was like i started blogging in 2008 mm-hmm. when a lot of people were blogging but not as many people as were blogging last year right you know so yeah. I'm always like so grateful that I started when I did because again, you can't evolve until you start. So true. Yeah. And that's so interesting because my, my first blog started in 2008 as well. And it really was a different landscape. I mean, it was pretty like you knew other bloggers really well and like interacted with them regularly. And it was a small landscape. And you read Uh, their blogs every day. Totally. Oh yeah. Religiously. Yeah. And now I hardly look at blogs at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so true. Mm-hmm. So do you want to jump over to raise your hand, say yes? Because yeah. you're, just, you're just starting or have just started your third season. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's amazing. It's so fun. I mean, I we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but it's fun to be on my like 100 episodes down and to still mm. be really excited about it because I get bored really easily. <laughs> like, again, I'm always, I'm always like, yeah, hey, I don't know. And the podcast is definitely I still feel brand new like I still feel like oh man there's so much I want to do there's so so many things I want to try or different play like it's really it's an exciting for me it's an exciting platform Uh yeah well and I think I mean I know the interview with Emily Wapnick Mm -hmm. she and I talked a little bit too about how this is such an amazing space for a multi-passionate like it would be very hard to get bored (laughs) or at least for me Mm -hmm. because you get to talk to so many people Mm -hmm. you could do so much research if you didn't know about a certain topic before you Mm -hmm. talk to a guest it's just yeah it's a treasure trove (laughs) it's so fun well and then you listen to you know I there are a couple of like kind of NPR podcasts that I like to listen to and then it's like oh in terms of like the storytelling capability Mm -hmm. you know I don't do that mostly because I don't have a time to edit things you know and and we really we do what we can with the time that we have but that too is sometimes I'm like oh my god if I could like 
do episodes where I think about a certain topic and then go back through all my archives and weave together a story based on what different guests have said. Like, that would be so cool. Yeah. But then I'm like, oh my God, but it would be so much work. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm hoping that my year, my year show will be a little bit of that, like pulling through the, Mm -hmm. some of the thoughts on how to jumpstart joy. But, but I agree with you. It's, it's, there's so much possibility and only so much time. And that's, that's one of the fun things to spend some time on in my own head is Mm -hmm. like, Ooh, what if? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And like, not, I mean, I think still too, not that many people are, I mean, I think it gets more and more, but not that many people are listening to podcasts. And so then it's like, Oh my God, like as, as more people become exposed to podcasts, like I think it's, I love that serial happened. Like I started my podcast in September, I think. And then serial happened in November or like right kind of right after that. And I'm like, thank you, serial for teaching (laughs) people what a podcast is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I secretly cheer like young house love Mm -hmm. just came out with as well. And I was like, yes, (laughs) they're coming. They're coming. Yeah. Very good. It's Mm -hmm. good for all of us to have Mm -hmm. kind of more of the exposure for sure. Yeah. And I just think the more people, like, I love that you teach people how to start podcasts and how to get, like the more people who are podcasting, the more great content is out there. Like that is awesome. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I think other people find their voice literally and figuratively in different ways. And where writing and blogging is a great medium for some people. There's something about some of us who are what I call external processors. Like we work Mm -hmm. through things verbally. And there's something about that set that like, this is a great fit. Yeah. Oh my God. I love these days I've been doing. So I've been doing Snapchat. Oh yeah. And I'm obsessed with it. Because it's just like, I feel like it's my own little reality show. (laughs) And I can just get on there and be like, here's what I'm thinking, you guys. And it's so fun. And there's something to me that feels like so informal, but still hopefully valuable, I think. You know, I don't want to waste anybody's time. But I feel like podcasting, like I like the kind of off the cuff conversational nature about it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm a fan, everyone. I mean, I don't, I actually don't think that everybody should start a podcast, but I think anybody who has something to say should start a podcast. Yeah, totally Mm -hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. Well, so where can people find your podcast? Let's see. You can find probably the easiest way. There are a few ways to find it. You can go to Tiffany Han. That's H-A-N, Han like solo. TiffanyHan.com slash podcast to get all the links and back episodes and stuff. You can also find me on iTunes. You can just search Tiffany Han in the Google Play Store. I have an app if you have an oh, iPhone. You do? Yeah, yeah. I, have an, I have an app. There's an app for that. But you can also just Google Tiffany Han podcast and you'll... And I'll, and I'll link it up. So awesome. Thank you. Can you can head over to the mm-hmm. yeah, show notes and all those will be there. Yep. Well, yeah, this has been so much fun. I don't know if you want to, if you have any other things you want to bring up or anything else that's going on that you want to talk about. Brand Crush podcast. <laughs> Gilmore Girls. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Hamilton. We talk about Hamilton. Um, we can talk about Hamilton because oh, you got to see it, right? I got to see it. Oh, my God. Talk about like joy, right? Yeah. Like talk yeah. about like. Oh my God. I, for me, Paul, it was such an emotional experience. I posted a picture on Instagram right after I saw it. Like I sobbed for like two hours after I saw it because it's me. I put a picture up of myself all puffy on Instagram. But, I saw it. Yeah. Damn. That's, that's one heck of a show. Yeah. It was, it's, you know, and for me, it was like, there are a lot of feelings that come out of like the actual content of the show, but also it was like, 
so exciting and inspiring to like see what happens when somebody creates something amazing and to see how people can come together and create something amazing. And and this idea of one of the kind of things they say in the show is like, what would you do if you had more time? And and they're asking the question of of Alexander Hamilton, who's sort of this prolific creator and producer and he's always doing stuff of like why do you write like you're running out of time and you know spoiler alert like he was running out of time because he got shot so don't worry you guys find that out in the very beginning didn't ruin anything (laughs) but you know and this idea I feel I really really I internalize that a lot for myself of like okay like don't wait around anymore and that's what I tell myself but like that too is like my whole kind of like I think life's mission right now in terms of my creative work is like I don't want anybody else to wait anymore because the world needs our work the world needs our really good work and we aren't going to get to the really good work until we just get going you know like that's going to evolve and grow and we're going to find our voice and step into that even more and deeper and even even the beginning stuff is great but then it can go deep and I just I get really like lit up about that we could have talked we could have done a whole episode about Hamilton (laughs) I love it. It sounds amazing. I have to go see it. Yeah. I think Rent, well, Rent was that way for me. I cried every time I see it. And then I got to see the two guys that played Mark and Roger, Mm -hmm. the originals in San Francisco. And like, I couldn't even sit up. I was crying so hard because it was like, this is epic. And like the story Mm -hmm. and the whole, like, and it's the same kind of thing of of a question of time and what's your inspiration and like, and it draws you in and and, yeah, makes you question things. Yeah. yeah. How, How old are you? I'm 44. Okay, so I'm 37, and Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton, I think is like a couple years younger than me, 35. So Rent came out when I was in high school. Yeah. And I was in North Carolina at the time, but we I was in the theater class, and my theater teacher organized a trip every year to New York City to see plays. And so we saw Rent, like, on Broadway with its original cast, which is, like, kind of mm-hmm. right now blows my mind that we didn't even know what we were experiencing. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton, was super inspired by Rent. Was um, he? Okay. Yeah, and so it's, I feel like, like, I love that you brought that up because I, I think, too, that, like, Hamilton is the new Rent. And Interesting. In terms of, like, Rent really hit Broadway at a place where it, like, shifted the landscape of what was possible. It did. You know, and I love, I think, I think in terms of creative work, like, I love the idea of creative work being both good and also slightly disruptive in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, waking someone up. Like, I, like, we want people to pay attention. And I think that Hamilton has done that also in a way that, like, we need to, we needed you know, we need to start rethinking what we believe as historical truth or as, as the way that we perceive things or what's possible. I just, I think it's, I think it's amazing. I mean, really, I could talk about this literally all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, my husband will be like, yes, she can. And she <laughs> I talk about it a lot on Snapchat. No, I love it. I, and I think musical theater, when it can get into the kind of the psyche of society or whatever, and it starts to shift people yeah. because it is so compelling. Like, I think that's amazing. So I, I'm I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I've got to go find a way to see Hamilton. Well, it's coming to San Francisco. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so it's coming to San Francisco in next spring, in the spring of 2017. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you I will be there. Oh, yes. you should go. It's yeah, I'm I'm like 
I'm a le- like a Hamilton junkie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> have you seen, not related very much, but have you seen Kinky Boots? That was yes. the other one that just got me. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. I saw it when I was in San Francisco and I am, I'm so ridiculous. Like I tend to, you know, during the applause after a show, standing ovation, I'm the one in the audience who's like just crying um, because <laughs> yes, I find, <laughs> I find the, perfor- I find just at the energy of the room to be so powerful yes. and so it's overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. I'm a feeler. I'm a little bit sappy, but I'm like, you know what, what, what if we all put ourselves into those situations mm-hmm. where we just felt like, I think that we all and I do it too. Like we all just numb out so much. And I'm like, I think part of the, like finding your joy is finding, like going to that place where it's, it might feel rough. It might feel unknown. It might feel new. It might feel uncomfortable, but like go in there and stay there because that's where really cool things are possible. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Amen on that. Yeah, Yeah. man. And that's been my whole, like, that's very much like the approach is like joy is going to be scary. It's not just the happy, like go lucky, skip in the field thing. It's the thing that draws you in and scares the crap out of you. And then it brings the most amount, what the biggest revelations that you could ever imagine. So, yeah. And I think, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's worth remember. And this is probably something you teach is like the, the, we all think the goal of life is happiness, but I actually don't, I think happiness is like kind of not enough it's like con- like fulfillment yeah right and like yeah. being useful and being feeling complete and so I think that like the depth it's more of a depth than just like I'm great everything's mm-hmm. great it's like well everything isn't great and it won't always be great right like I think yeah. that it's it's yeah. like but ha- instead how do you show up in those not great moments and what tools do you have and what bolsters you to be okay even when things aren't great or to be like right. I'm gonna fall apart a little and that's okay too yeah you well know? and to realize that things could be bad in some ways but you could mm-hmm. still feel joy in that same time frame about something else right like and, and that there it's not completely mm-hmm. like what it's not it's not inexplicable that right. you might feel more than emotion, one emotion at a time. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that it's, it becomes very apparent if somebody passes away of like, mm, yeah. part of the depth of the grief comes from the depth of the joy, mm, yes. you know, but you can't have, yeah, I feel like you can't isolate yourself for fear of the grief because it's a, it's like the, the opposite it's like the poles right it's like two yeah. ends of the same thing so you know I don't I don't know I just got all deep thoughts again on you <laughs> well that was gorgeous part of the depth of the grief comes from the depth of the joy yeah yeah I think they are they are so tied together and that's that's kind of where even the the sense of it all came from mm-hmm. came for me was uh, I mean and I've shared before but like a very difficult birth story mm-hmm. or you know with my son and realizing just like you said earlier, like the, I want something more. This isn't, this isn't it. Mm-hmm. There's something else beyond this. Yeah. And let's get curious. Like, let's yeah. raise our hand and say, yes, yeah. we're going to figure this shit out mm-hmm. because this right now, I don't remember who, I think it was Sharon Aldiger who had a, a brain tumor. She, she said about her situation, this isn't acceptable. Like mm-hmm. I need something else. And so yeah. it was that. 
and, and waking up and realizing that I'm going for joy. Mm-hmm. And, and what I discover on the way will all be learnings and, and figuring out what it means and how to navigate there mm-hmm. to get me there. Like well, and just holding on. Yeah, and ahead. you're never going to get there. Right. Yeah. Like we're always like, totally. I feel like, cause sometimes people will come to me and be like, can you just tell me what to do? And then I'll have it figured out. And I'm like, well, yes, I can tell you what to do. And I will because I'm really bossy. But also, you're like, you're all like, I think that we're, we're constantly striving for like the A plus answer, especially I don't I'm guessing you're a lot like me and that like, I like being smart. Mm-hmm. You know, I like knowing the right answer and being helpful and all of that. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm, I don't think I will ever be like, and done figured it out there we go you know end of the road right here yeah yeah. and (laughs) i think that if we can like just accept that and be like here i go that life can be a lot more fun yeah yeah fully agree because i am all about the fun (laughs) oh yeah me too yeah i think we're both of that same Mm -hmm. cut from that same cloth there too it's yeah if we can't be a little goofy during the day it's What are we doing? What's the point? I mean, if we're not having fun with it, especially when you're like doing for me, like when I'm doing my own work, I'm like, if I'm unhappy, I might as well just go get a job Mm -hmm. because I get paid a lot more and have like health insurance. I mean, you know, paid health insurance and like paid vacation. That would be great. But then I'm like, no, no, I can't Can't do it. Too much. (laughs) Yeah, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump to the last couple questions. Okay. And I'm so excited that you thank you so much for just for being here and for sharing and all that. If someone listening has a big dream about how they could make a change in the world, what advice would you give to them about bringing their dream into action? Go. <laughs> like, seriously, do something today. Yeah. Do something. Tell somebody do like just take the step. And, and, oh man, it's going to feel really hard, mm-hmm. but do it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. I'm mm-hmm. with you. And last and most joyfully, and this is the last time we'll ask this question this season. I'm getting a little eclipsed. <laughs> <laughs> what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Mm. You know, I'm glad Hamilton came up because mm-hmm. I think one thing that I want everyone to do is like, Find that thing that you just can't stop talking about. Like, geek out on something. Go all in. I talk about Hamilton all the time. And I know people in my life are like, are you kidding with that musical again? But, like, go all in on something. Find something worth going all in on. The other thing, let's see, three things. So that's one. Two, start saying stuff out loud. I think that we are all really good at like churning ideas over in our heads or thinking that people aren't going to be interested in what we have to say or kind of making like what I call secret plans. Like one day I'm going to do this, but then we never tell anybody. Just start saying things out loud. I do this a lot with my husband where I, we like will go to dinner without the kids and I just empty my brain to him. Yes. And it doesn't make any sense at all, but I'm like, I just need you to know what's in my head. And that is, especially now that our, sometimes our time together becomes either very like about childcare or kind of transactional of like, oh, did you get, oh, did you pay that bill? Oh, did you, right? Like kind of task oriented. Or at the end of the night, we're just tired and like, 
So that like, just say things out loud. And number three would be to, you know, here's the deal. I know every single person listening to this has an idea in their head and has something. There's a reason that they listen to your show and they have something that they want to birth metaphorically Uh or physically, but that they want to get out into the world. So my, my third piece of advice for all of you guys is to go for it and know that like, here's the deal. The outcome doesn't even matter, Mm. right? Like in a, in an experiment, there is no right or wrong answer. It's just, you have a hypothesis, which is a guess. And then you do something to find out if it's true or not. It doesn't mean that if it's not true that your hypothesis is wrong. It just means that it's unproven. So like in a like I always say like the out like go do something go for it because that's actually most of the time we have these ideas and then we take a step and then we take another step and then we turn left and then we turn right and then before you know it, you're doing something completely different and you're like I didn't even know I wanted to do this <laughs> yes. and, and you wouldn't have known until you had started taking the steps so like you guys do the th- do one thing right now today for that thing that you're like, oh my God, is she talking to me about this thing? I am. I am. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm I dancing. Love it. I want everyone to dance more. I think we should all dance more and be goobers. I love the bonus mm-hmm. dance. <laughs> dance answer. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Tiffany. It has been a real joy and an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been wonderful. <laughs> my pleasure. Tiffany, thank you so much for being on the show. It really was an amazing conversation. And I am, I'm just thrilled and delighted that to have you on as the season closer. If you want to find out more about what Tiffany and I had talked about, you can head over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 51, and you will find show notes there. I would also love to hear what you think about your own crazy faith or tell us about what you have raised your hand to say yes about in your own life in the comments. Of course, Tiffany is also still accepting applications for Brand Crush. If you want to jump in and work with her, the link is at the site, jumpstartyourjoy.com. A couple other upcoming events to highlight. In the next couple weeks, I'm going to be part of the Courage in Action Telesummit, where I am interviewing my friend Christy, and we're going to talk about what does it take to live a life of courage. There's also another 22 interviews that will be shared. I'm also going to be releasing a brand new product that talks about breathing and balance and this will be in collaboration with my friend christy we are super excited to be working on this product together that talks about both how to bring more balance into your life and restructure what you're doing take a look at what matters to you but then also incorporate the really important practices of breathing and meditation and how do you go internally How do you look at your internal life to make your external life feel more on purpose and more aligned with what your true desires and values are? It's a really great comprehensive course. And if you sign up for my free Finding Balance course, that'll be the easiest way to get notifications about it. You can take the five-week free class as a predecessor to the Breathing and Balance course that we're going to be releasing. So head on over to the website. Under classes, you will find a link to Finding Balance and you can sign up there. And that'll be the first group that gets notified about the big launch that'll be happening in the next few weeks. 
Okay, and then for next week, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a two-part season finale because I couldn't just do one show with all the goodness that I have seen in this last year. So come back next week and we will talk about some of the biggest takeaways that I have in this last year of being a podcast host. And then, then for the second part, I will be sharing some of the top ideas that guests have had on ways to jumpstart your joy. That just felt like the perfect way to close out an, an amazing year. So come on back next week for part one of the season finale. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy. Joy.